Hey friends, I'm Ann Eileen Thompson, and this is the Faith Driven Leader Podcast, where we equip and embolden one another toward a career and a life that's built on deep trust in our good Father God, and where we get inspired by stories from incredible guests who are letting their faith drive their leadership in their lives and their families and their ministries and in the marketplace. Well, how many of us feel like the balance of winning at home and winning at work got a lot harder after the COVID pandemic? I know so many of us are feeling the reality of the increase in like the blurred line that was created when our offices moved full-time into our houses. And, you know, many of us used to be challenged not to take our work home. Now our work is literally our homes, <laughs> which is why I was so excited to talk to our guest today, Corey Carlson. Corey is a leadership coach, a keynote speaker, a podcast host, a father, a husband. Um, he's the author of two books that I think every faith-driven leader should be reading. One is called Win at Home First, and the other is called Rise and Go. Corey has coached hundreds of business leaders to win both at home and at work by focusing on the right things in the right order. And he's going to share a bit about that today and so much more. I'm so glad you're joining us today to learn from the wisdom of this faith-driven leader. Let's jump into the conversation with Corey Carlson. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to welcome Corey Carlson to the Faith Driven Leader podcast today. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. I'm just so honored that you're here. Well, Anne, thank you very much. There's been some big shoes to fill in this podcast already, so... I am uh, honored, humbled that, that I even just get an opportunity to sit and talk with you. I enjoy the times I've got to speak with you. So thank you for for the time today. Absolutely. You are totally up for the task based on all the conversations you and I have had in the past. You know, Corey, you are an experienced leadership coach. You're a podcast host. You're an author. You're a keynote speaker. You're a husband. You're a dad. And you are a faith-driven leader. So just really excited to learn from you today. I know you're going to have some great stuff to share with us. I'm wondering to start us off, tell us a story about a time when your faith impacted your leadership. There are numerous times I feel like my faith has impacted my leadership at different times. But you, you know, one that it stands out actually here recently and quite a bit is I think a lot of times we have faith moves in our work leadership, you know, and some, I don't want to yeah. say they're easier because that, that, that's not fair. And I've even done some big, bold work moves, but in the work environment, we seem to just have a little, sometimes have more confidence and, you know, we kind of put on our armor to go lead the work team and we're going to, you know, take this risk and have this strategic partnership and have this difficult conversation with our direct report and, and there's just these things that we do at work. But at home, there's times we're just not as bold to lead with faith. We, mm. we kind of, when we walk in that front door, we almost get a little passive. And, and we see that all the time in the standpoint of at, at work, people have vision statements. They've got a cadence of one-on-one -on -one meetings with their team. But when it comes to family, there really is no vision. The, there is lack of a, what's our strategy for the next few years? And there may not be a cadence of one-on-one -on -one meetings, whether that's a date with your spouse or one-on-one -on -one with your kids. So when I think of faith and leadership, we're in the process of moving right now houses. And it reminds me of a time where I made a bold move with the leadership of my family. In the, right before 2008, I bought a house 
real estate investment property. Yeah. Made $17,000 in three weeks. It was like a drug. It was awesome. I was like, this is so cool, man. I'm going to be flipping (laughs) houses for the rest of my life. So I (laughs) went and put together a package of to get five more houses. So I went and bought these five houses. And some were just me and my wife. Others, I pulled in a couple of the partners and went and bought these houses. Well, then the recession hit. And so when the recession hit, obviously, I could not flip those houses. And then you couldn't even rent them anymore at market price because the market had, you know, bottomed out, drastically tanked because there was a surplus of homes. And so that just took us down an awful spiral of every month negative cash flow. Then when Mm. people moved out, we had to repay, you know, repaint and recarpet. The list goes on. But it led my wife and I, unfortunately, to at one point have a meeting with a bankruptcy attorney. Oh, gosh. And not that there's anything wrong with anyone that has to file bankruptcy. But at that time, I just kind of got this prompting that from the Holy Spirit that there was an, there would be another way. Uh, We did not have to go that route. And I was like, really? This kind of, that doesn't seem like there's another way. Loan sharks are calling (laughs) and it seems like we can't get out of this. But yet I looked at my wife in that meeting. We got up, we left from the bankruptcy attorney's office and we began a path of what became a different way and got you know, got a raise and got a bonus and things just started to happen. Wow. And so what really transpired where the faith and leadership took place and what's coming to mind today as I'm buying a house is the house we're leaving right now was a was a faith journey to actually purchase the house because we went to go purchase this house. We had a, a awful credit report. Mm. And so there's a story in Joshua where Joshua walks around Jericho in the city of Jericho, seven times. And I, I've heard stories of people using that in kind of modern day to say, hey, let's let's walk something seven times, pray with the hopes of blinding and confusing our enemy and the you know, walls will yeah. fall down. Yeah. So uh, the, the faith leadership I had was, I was a family, we're doing this. We're going to walk around our house seven times and we're going to be praying to help us with buying this house. You know, we got credit, credit report, just kind of all those pieces. So yeah. You know, the family rolled their eyes. They kind of did the things that we <laughs> everyone happens when you try to do bold faith moves in your home. It's why they don't happen a ton, even in my own home, because I don't want the rolled eyes. I don't want the, oh, come on, dad. Yeah. But I went yep. for it. And we walked seven times with the kids. Cool story. Even like had a neighbor hop in two rounds into it. And this neighbor, awesome individual, but not strong in faith, maybe even agnostic. And yeah. as we we're said, I'll, I'll, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing? I shared the Bible story and they said, uh, are you even going the right way? Like, is it clockwise or counterclockwise? I was like, I've got no idea. Let's just walk. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> and so anyways, they joined. And then when we were done with our seven, they continued their next two to wow. get completely caught up. It was awesome. But, and I share that story because we made that bold faith move. It actually was pretty darn cool. We had a conversation with some uh, accreditors. We had to have a third party involved on the calls. And one of the people looking was like, I'm looking at the computer. It shows, you know, Corey Carlson. And I'm really confused. Like, I don't get it. Like, there's a debt, but it says, you know, not to be paid. And he was just confused. And so basically, he's like, the the third party was like, okay, so they don't owe anything. We can clear and sure enough, wow. cleared. And so what ended up happening is we did get the house we're in. We did get the mortgage. It all worked out. It was awesome. But that 
move was a bold move with the family. And because of that move, we've made other bold moves. Or I've seen my kids made bold moves. Mm -hmm. Or it allowed us to talk more about our faith or prayer or things in our house. And so I I just share that whole story for the listener to, you know, we talk about when I I know me personally, when I think about making bold moves, I so often think about work. Like I want to do this for work, but I don't apply that same boldness and faithfulness in my personal life. And, And I'm grateful I have at times. I need to do it more. But for the times I've done it, I've seen fruit. And I think it's it's my hope is it's positioning my kids up to be more faithful, to be more resilient, and to be more dependent on God than you know, if I, I don't step up and be an example. Just such a great way of saying here's a story in scripture of the Lord doing something through somebody's obedience and faithfulness. And you got to model that for your kids, for your wife, for your neighbor even. I mean, who knows the impact on your neighbor, the seed that you planted there. That's amazing. That's such a good story. I'm so glad that you that you shared that one. I was thinking about, you know, you and I both are relatively independent business people. We're not running big companies, but we've both been parts of companies before. Mm-hmm. And And the thought of that kind of move in a secular company have you played around with that? Like, how do you make that kind of a faith statement when you're surrounded by coworkers who maybe don't believe what you believe? I know for me, when I'm making my own choices about my own business, that's one thing. When I'm part of another company, times I've been part of another company, those have been a little bit less obvious, less easy to see sometimes. How do I walk in faith in those kinds of situations? What would you say to to leaders who are in that kind of situation where they do want to make a bold move at work that's faith-based, but nobody's talking about faith around them. Nobody expects that from them. They're not even sure if that's accepted. No, I mean, great question. I, I think some pieces in the, is the faith bold moves. I mean, it starts with ourselves. Like, are we even praying to God about the partnership? Are we even praying to God about the vision statement for the company or the three-year plan? I guess before we pull everyone in a room and kind of do this, you know, kind of rah rah or prayer or whatever it may be, it first starts with us. Like, are we are yeah. we even being dependent on God? Right? We saw Jesus numerous times throughout Scripture go to the mountaintop, get a new vision for where he should go. Comes down, the disciples and Mark one are all frantic. Where you been? We got a long line. Everyone wants to talk to you. And it's yeah. like, hey, we're we're moving on. For you know, we I didn't come for this, and so I think. As leaders, before we get all worked up on, hey, how do I get everyone to talk faith? Is first of all, are, are you just doing it yourself? Are you leading yeah. by example? Are you truly handing over your day to God and seeking wisdom for meetings you have, expressing gratitude to God for the great meeting you just had, and whatever the case may be? And I think once we kind of start there with how are you leading yourself, right? We have to lead ourselves well before we can lead others. So first start with, are you being dependent on God in your own leadership for your company? Yeah. And then from there, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say at the right time when you're in the group. You know, it it could be while I was in my quiet time this morning, I thought of dot, dot, dot. And people start to be like, wait, wait, wait. 
they're they're actually praying about work in the morning. Like they're actually thinking about it in this in this way. And and so I, our actions will show people, hey, we're dependent on it. But I think if we just kind of march in and everyone, let's go outside, walk seven times, we're gonna be hold up. This is crazy. This is this is cuckoo. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think if you ever were to go do something. I think just like anything, it's you you find your advocates. Who are the people that would be interested in doing something like that? And mm-hmm. you know, I I know for a fact there are different people that were on my team that were were strong believers, and we would make a point to pray about a, a trip that we were going to, that the people we were meeting with would have open minds, open hearts to the partnership, give us wisdom of how to craft a win-win partnership. Now, I didn't do that with everyone on the team, but I there were a couple people on my team yeah. that I was like, hey, I, I know I can bring this into it. But before yeah. I bring other people into it, I need to make sure I'm doing it in my own time. Yes, I, that is such a, a great answer. I'm so glad that you re- that you shared that with us because I think consistently what I hear from other faith-based leaders, other faith-driven leaders is this idea of, you know what, it starts with your relationship with the Lord starts with my relationship with the Lord and me making sure that I'm being the leader he calls me to be. That's been a consistent theme across a lot of these conversations and certainly has been a theme for me in my life. The times when I'm more connected to the Lord, the times when I'm truly abiding and truly staying connected to him, seems like there's a lot more fruit happening in the business, in the in the marketplace with my team, which it leads me to a question you know, for you, Corey, tell us a little bit about how you stay connected to the Lord. What are some of the rhythms or practices you use to stay connected to God? Mm-hmm. Every season can be slightly different. You know, I mean, I try to keep it fresh. If it feels like it's getting stale, I'll look to do new things or different, like a devotional. If I find is for me, just reading scripture by itself, just reading the book, it's like, I'm not getting anything. And so every once in a while, I'll get a devotional and that'll be super helpful. But for me, I don't hit every morning, but I, my best is when I connect in the morning with scripture, I am old school. I have a paper Bible and I'm also pen and paper for a journal. Yeah. And that helps me. I, I love doing quiet time, reading scripture with pen and paper because I stay engaged. Now, yeah. once, you know, the, those quiet times I have with no pen and paper, it's like, and I'm praying, I'm thinking before I know it, I'm in la-la land thinking about my to-do list <laughs> and it's awful. And even worse case, I just open up my computer and I hop right to my emails and then it's yeah. over. And before I know it, yeah. it's 1030. And it's like, oh my goodness, the quiet time was awful this morning. Yeah, But if exactly. I have my laptop closed uh, and not using my phone, there are times I'll open up my phone because I want to go see what a story meant or get another translation because I use mm-hmm. the ESV, English Standard Version Bible. But for me, those are my quiet times where it is paper Bible, pen and paper, and then doing some devotionals. And that that just yeah. that that helps. And yeah. like like I said, I I'm just I try to keep it fresh. I do a I do a lot of random journaling. I just had a cool kind of experience here recently, and just to share it with listeners, because maybe there'll be some fruit in there for you, is just reading um in, in Psalms where it talks about God does marvelous things. And yeah. I was actually on a plane ride to Puerto Rico, my 15-year-old daughter and I just did a mission trip. And so I'm on this plane ride and um, I decide I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do 
emails or any watch TV or movies. Not there's anything wrong with any of those things. But this time I was like, you know, what? I'm going to use this for some quiet time. It's no <laughs> Wi-Fi and I could be focused and it was cool. And so I just marvelous things. And as it jumped out, I was like, God was just talking to me about the marvelous things that have happened in my life. So what I did is I opened up my phone. There's no Wi-Fi. So I just went through my calendar and I just wrote down all the personal highs that have taken place since January of this year. And mm. so we wrote down all the personal highs in my yeah. journal. And then I also wrote down all the professional highs. Yeah. And it was awesome. And it was just this whole like cool God time of just the marvelous things that have been showing up in my life. And, and then it even kind of took another layer as I was looking at the things written down. There were some themes that God was kind of putting on my heart. And one of the themes on the personal side was all the cool things that have happened since January were really based off the generosity of others. Getting to go to a Bengals game was a gift that someone gave me. Getting to go to a house in Florida was a gift because I got invited to go to this house. And just, it was all like this generosity. Then on the professional side, as I went through the professional side and kind of wrote all that down, a theme popped up of surprises. So I'm a big planner. I, what are my goals? What are my three rocks for the week? And, you know, go, go, go. But the actual numbers, 15 of the 17 things I wrote down were surprises. They were not even on my radar of getting to go to Seattle to speak. I spoke at a men's conference I didn't even know existed, (laughs) you know, and just like all this cool stuff took place. And those two things, what is so powerful for me in quiet times is God speaks to us ways that we need to hear him. And so for me, a thorn in my side, if you will, has always been provision because they just mm-hmm. different stories of provision. I'm on my own and uh, I, I could impact why that is and if we had time. But in that, just through that generosity of others on the personal side, God surprised on the professional side, all in, you know, all kind of saying to me, hey, the provision is not on me. God is the provider. Therefore, I should have this not only posture of gratitude, but also a posture of boldness to go after things and not be scared of, uh oh, what if it doesn't work out? And so yes. just things like that wow. with quiet time. I just kind of look at quiet time. If words jump off of the page through scripture, I just start writing, thinking, asking questions. Hey, what does that mean to me? And so that's kind of some of the silly things I do to keep it fresh and fun. I I love that. And I love that story of how God shared with you what you didn't even realize you needed to hear mm. right and mm-hmm. that's just so beautiful when we we especially i people talk about quiet time a lot and some people that i have met do a really good job of truly quiet time being time to listen for the lord and i know for myself there are days when i do a really good job of that and days where i spend more time talking to him than i do listening <laughs> yep. but it's so powerful the story you just shared because it it reminds us of the power of just stopping to listen and letting him speak to us. And I love the message about provision and that he knew that's what you needed to hear. That's it's just, thank you for sharing. Well, thanks. I'm sure someone says my quiet time is still more action. I'm still writing. I'm still in the like (laughs) zone and cranking and uh, more achievement and look at the journal. I just filled out uh, over these last few months or or whatever it is. I'm, I'm sure I could get better in stillness. But uh, I'm not there yet. I still there's still maturity. But but what I love was that the Lord honored what you did. Mm-hmm. He honored the time that you gave Him and gave you this particular message that was important to you. Again, that you didn't necessarily know that your heart needed, but it did. 
It's interesting that the topic of provision that you brought up brings me to another question. One of the things that I have found in common among those of us who have had a truly faith-driven career is that at some point in our career, we took a step back. And I, I know that's happened twice for me where I was in positions where salary-wise and title-wise, I was growing and the Lord prompted me to take a step that meant that I went way back salary-wise, title-wise, sometimes by jumping jobs, that type of thing, or going to a new job. But I'm curious, can you tell us about a time when you had to take a step back that was prompt, or you chose to take a step back that was prompted by something God was teaching you or showing you? And how did that how did it work out? How did how did your faith play a role in that? I I've got a, a couple stories of step backs. You know, <laughs> the one that comes to mind is one that uh, involves obedience, and one that and it also at the same time involves disobedience. Okay. Um, with my step back, I was president of sales for a national contractor, and. And I just was doing some coaching on the side. My heart was to go do coaching. I had had an executive coach for, I don't know, at that time, four years prior. And had loved just being coached. I was turning around, using the content on my employees and seeing a change in them for the better, as well as you know the company was doing better. And I just was having this prompting and really desire to go be a coach. Yeah. This would be amazing. Like I would love to coach people and help others as my coaches helped me and weaving in faith into the coaching where I could if it was a faith-based client, for sure, just weaving in truth, you know, in the coaching, but also just helping leaders win at work and win at home and that there is a better way. It's not an either or. It's yeah. it can be a both and. And so I really wanted to go do it. And so the 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 prompting was go. Like go for it, and it was a it was it was a long it was a long journey. The, uh, the promptings really kind of started in this uh, f- uh, fall, uh, probably fall. Then headed into spring of 2016 of, along the way, and 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 a lot of that journey was stripping away identity. I had identity tied to the president of sales, even though I didn't think I did. I thought I understood I was a beloved son and all yeah. the right answers. But deep down, it's kind of I'm president of sales. I, I always wanted this cool title. Uh, yeah. I've got you know 30, 35 people throughout the country who report to me. It's a great salary. And if I quit, I go down to zero. And I'm also yeah. a beginner level coach, and that sounds awful. <laughs> and so I, it was just this whole wrestle of you know identity provision, which we just talked about. Yeah. And just little things like health insurance. You know, we we have right. this huge fear of health insurance. And once you kind of get out there, it's not as bad as everyone thinks it is. But yep. health insurance and corporate have done a nice job to just scare you to death that, man, I mean, I don't love paying whatever I pay, 1600 a month for health insurance. But it's <laughs> right. not like $10,000 like right. you think it's going to be. But in this whole tension of here I am as president of sales, I want to go be a coach, even getting the promptings. I'm sure I saw all, I'm sure I did the fleece. Thank God, you know, if this happens, I'll go jump. And I'm sure that happened and I didn't go jump. And it just went on and on. August, 2016, still going on, still tension. It has grown even to a stress in my own life where I had TMJ because I was grinding my teeth so bad from the stress and wanting to go coach, but not going to coach because I didn't have the guts to leave corporate. 
Finally, in August 2016, I got fired. And mm. it was just one of the scenarios. We were owned by private equity. We went to a, have a sale. It didn't go through because they questioned how strong were our patents in the marketplace. And long story short, of a 60-day due diligence period on the 45th day, they, they said, we're out. And so it just caused the private equity ownership group just to kind of say, we're, we're shuffling things up. And we're going to yeah. remove some territories. We're going to focus just in a smaller geography. And anyways, if you, if, if you change enough things around, you don't need a president of sales. Right. So I got, uh, I got fired and I got a four-month severance package. And I called my wife and I said, babe, I got good news and I got bad news. <laughs> you know, the bad news is I just got fired. Yeah. I said, but the good news is I got a four-month severance package. Yeah. Can I give coaching a go for four months? And and then she says, Yeah, but in four months, you better go get a big boy job. That doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she was much more supportive than that. But that that time I, I was faithful. I I, I was yeah. obedient. I, I went for it. And through God's provision, by the end of the four months, I got coaching to roughly 50% of kind of where it needed to be. It wasn't truly 50%, but I was introduced to another uh, to to a great guy who ran a company in Cincinnati. I could help with sales and marketing for the other fifty percent. So between yeah. the two, I didn't get the, it didn't all add up to what what I was missing. There's definitely money on the table, but it was enough that Holly and I could say we're going, we're we're in this. And so, yeah, my story of 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 a step back was you know moments of disobedience, moment a maybe a moment of obedience. Uh, but really, I think in that whole season, like why we're in the waiting room, when I was in the waiting room just to get into the coaching, I, I think there's such a special time there because when we're in that waiting room, just like in a doctor's office, are, are like, are we wasting time? Like, are we just scrolling social media and just kind of wasting time? Or are we being intentional with that time? Mm. And so for me, while I was in the waiting room, I I was in fact trying to be intentional with the time. Like I was trying to unpack this provisional piece, unpack this identity is my identity really tied to it. And and my wife had had to do some of the same as well. We were on this journey together because she had some provision pieces, insurance being one of them. Yeah. And so it, it was a, it was a hard journey. It was a great journey in that process. Not only do I love my career now, I get a coach full time. Thanks to God's provision. I coach and speak and so grateful I get to do it and, and it's worked out, but it also has really strengthened my faith too. Yeah, it's this fascinating. I have a similar, had a similar experience where, you know, I had an idea for a business with a business partner and a lot of great momentum for it, but wasn't quite, just didn't feel quite ready to make the leap and then got fired. And in and, and hindsight, I think, was that God just kicking me in the butt and saying, look, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> right. You know, because it led to it led to such a beautiful chapter in my career, and in hindsight, I wish I would have been obedient faster. And at the same time, you know, God uses all of it for good. He uses, you know, there's the verse in Romans eight twenty eight that talks about that God uses all of these things for good for those of us that love Him. And whether we're obedient right away to take the step that God might be calling us to, which looks like a step back, or whether we don't quite get it right the first time or don't, you know, kind of sit in it for a while. To your point, he's going to use that time in the waiting room. I like that expression. 
And mm-hmm. in hindsight, there's always learning to go back and say, okay, let me think back about how I handled that and what I did. And why was I so afraid to make the leap? Mm-hmm. Because gosh, my identity is even more secure when I get it from him and he does provide. So great story. I, di- I didn't realize you and I had a similar story on that that front, but we do. That's really good. I'm so glad you shared that with us. I want to shift a little bit and ask you another question that's that might be a, a bit vulnerable, but I think you're up for it. Tell us about a time when you made a mistake and you had to kind of a leadership mistake. And I'm curious, like, how did it turn out? What did you learn? And what role did your faith play in the scenario, whatever that scenario happened to be? I got a lot of big mistakes. I got lots of big <laughs> mistakes. I got mistakes in my marriage. I got mistakes in my uh, parenting. You know, I got a few recent mistakes that um, I'm actually been just, you know, taking to God and, you know, asking for forgiveness. And and one's actually super recent. I was in a room with uh, some folks that, you know, I, I was impressed with, to be honest. I, I was I was just impressed with, and and I found myself not doing a few things that I am so such an advocate for, and I tell people to do, and I was not those things okay. as much. And that is to be curious and to be humble. Mm. And I found myself in this conversation. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm so good at this. I'm not. I, I don't mean that. But there are times I've had these conversations with my wife where someone will say, Corey, so-and-so just said you were so great to talk with and you're so fun. I was like, babe, I didn't do any talking. I just asked questions. <laughs> all I did was ask questions. They did all the talking. I can tell you everything about them, but I'm sure they can't tell anything about me. And so we, right. we always kind of laughed. So I've had a couple of good moments where I've done that. But here just recently, um, I, I was not curious. I, I was really kind of sharing some of the stuff I've done and some of the accomplishments I've done and trying to kind of impress them so that, you know, maybe they'd want to, in fact, work with me or hire me. And um, and so I was not, in fact, uh, curious of them. I was yeah. more about wanting to share what I did. And so that uh, made me feel icky as I left there. And I wasn't, uh, you know, that was a mistake in my leadership because I didn't model what I preach. Yeah. And then in that also is, is to be humble is a value that I truly believe. And I just found myself flexing a little bit in the conversation, mm-hmm. flexing about, uh, actually, it was a, in fact a podcast guest that I've got coming up and, and as I left there, it just was like, that is just, that's just stupid. Like, what was I doing? Like, I, I, I go back to this phrase a lot. Obviously, I stumbled on it. But when I learned this idea of that we work from a place of approval as opposed to for approval, because I'm a beloved son, you're a beloved daughter, because of that truth, I should be working from a place of approval that I do not need to be seeking their approval. Yeah. And so for me... Approval can be, you know, something that I've always kind of battled with. And so in this situation, instead of being confident in who I am, I am a beloved son, sit there, be present, be curious of this, these individuals in this room, be humble, you know, serve them in any ways. And instead, I found myself kind of forgetting that and falling into the, hey, look what I've done. And look at me. You, know, you need yeah. more of me in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's just a, I mean, it's a smaller one, but it, it actually has been weighing yeah. on me a little bit. Cause I'm like, wow, man, that was, that was a step back and things that I talk about and do. And so that, that, that one's just coming to mind. Cause it's pretty fresh. 
Yeah. Well, and it's a great example. And I think so many of us fall into that, that same temptation, right? And we, we, we fall into it because it's, we do want the approval of others. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, a bit of a human, human trait, but it's not necessarily godly. It, you know, I mean, and, and that's a hard one. That idea of, I want to get approved by other people. This is one that I've struggled with over the years as well. And learning to say, you know, it's scripture even says, I, d- I do not seek man's approval. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we seek the God's approval and, and, he he loves us no matter what, right? And and has all these good things for us, but we get so caught up in what other people think. That's a really good example. And and what I'm taking from your story is there will be fruit coming out of God working with you through reflecting on this. So I love that God is going to help you learn this lesson at afresh, which is, I think, one of those lessons we have to learn again and again and again to keep us in a place of humility and curiosity, because it's it just doesn't seem to be the natural tendency very often. Mm-hmm. And especially as you kind of mentioned, as you know, we're not in the big companies anymore. We're it's kind of self promotion. So there's this little bit of hey, you got to go self promote and and tell yeah. about the the coaching, speaking, or whatever. And yes, there's some truth to that, but there's also a way to do it. And when I do it right, I don't walk away with the nickiness feeling. (laughs) When I do it wrong, it's this, you know, you know, not, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's get better. And so anyways, that, that, that's a recent just mistake that I'm processing right now. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I've been so impressed with your work especially the win at home first piece of what you do. And, and you've talked about realizing some of these things later in your career, later in your life. If you could be talking to the younger folks who are listening, what's the one thing that you really would want them to be thinking about? Maybe it's like the one thing you would have told the younger you <laughs> that would have made an impact in your leadership at a younger age. You you kind of know it now, but you wish you'd known it then. What would that one thing be? It's a great question. It's a hard question. The one thing for sure, man. There's that identity which we kind of talked about already. So hopefully that counts. But uh, we already addressed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think at the end, I've just got to go with really what what I feel to be true. And obviously, wrote a book on it um, called "Win at Home First. And I love to give away books to any listeners who want them. And I've got a website awesome. called, you know, you know CoreyMCarlson.com forward slash free book. They just go click on the book they want, whether it's win a home first, which talks about winning a home first and, you know, get lead yourself first, then your marriage and then your parenting and part four is on work. And so it's yeah. this idea of work-life balance. And the second book, Rise and Go, is a, you know, all leaders get knocked down. It's just the great leaders get back up quicker. So what could it look like in your life if the next time you got knocked down, you got back up quicker? So it's a book Great. on resilience and hope. And so those are the two books. And so if you go to the listeners, go to the website, coriumcarlson.com forward slash free book, click the book you want and just pay shipping and handling. And uh, really there's no strings awesome. attached. It's been fun. Been awesome. uh, doing that for a while and enjoy it. With all that being said, the, the thing I would tell my younger self, because that's actually where I got tripped up. I would tell people to win at home first because I lost at home first. 
I got so worked up in my identity being tied to climbing the corporate ladder fast and where am I at compared to where everyone else is at and um, from salary to did I have the MBA? Did I you know, get that promotion? And just taking my identity to, to that and to work. And anytime we take our identity to temporary things, it is it, there's going to be an implosion at some point because things change, yeah. titles change, you get fired, um, the company gets bought out and there's a shift and you don't have the responsibilities you used to have. The list goes on. And so we can't take our identity to temporary things. I didn't know all that at the time. But by winning at home first, if when we have our marriage in order, when we are parenting well, when we're taking care of ourselves, when when we are winning at home first, it then allows us to go excel at work because yeah. we are confident. We can I can be at work knowing Holly and I are doing great. My kids and I were doing, you know, great. But when it's the other way around, when I'm going to work for the wins, I come home, home's not great. I'll be tired. Yeah. I have been on dates. When the kids are fighting, I'm tired. I'm annoyed. I'm, you know, checking out on the couch. And so, my again, words of wisdom to my younger self would to be: Win at home first. You, in fact, can win at work and win at home. It's yeah. not uh, an either or option. I love that, and I love that you started with saying, you know, th- there's kind of an order to this. Like, get yourself in a, the right place with the Lord have a marriage that has Jesus as the center of it, mm-hmm. then your parenting, then then your work. It's so counterintuitive to so many people, and yet the Lord honors it. I, I really encourage our listeners to pick up the win at home first uh, and, and start to think about how they can do that, where they can find those opportunities in their own thought life and their own, how they're managing their schedule, all of those things to make room for the bigger priorities, which ironically, will lead to better success from a business standpoint. Yeah, well, well, thanks. I mean, even just from a tactical standpoint, we just think about, I mean, nowadays, I I don't know, back in the day of steel mills and all that, uh, but you just, you can't live a separate home and work life. I mean, if you get in a fight at 7 a.m. with your spouse and you go to work at 9 a.m. and you're in a meeting, well, if you're getting texts that are still continuing the fight, (laughs) well, you're not on your A game. You are not your best right. version of yourself in that meeting because you're thinking about what you did say or didn't say or what they said. And then that goes through on throughout the whole day. And then even you start to think about it come three o'clock when you're thinking, oh man, you know, here in a couple hours, I'm going to go home. And when I get home, I'm going to say this. And then they're going to say that. Then I'm yeah. going to say this. And so because the technology makes our lives so much more integrated now, I, I I think it's always been important to win a home first, but I think now there's just extra reason to, to win a home first. And it's because of technology, we're all wearing, you know, people are wearing watches and we got phones and and it's just, it's constant. And so I, I think that's another reason just yeah. to make it a priority. And I was just also thinking it requires a different level of diligence these days too, especially for the very high percentage of us that are working at home some of the time or most of the time or all of the time, because mm-hmm. you literally are not, you know, you've got to get those things right because you're you're in that environment all the time. So good, so good. Corey, what are some of the things you have coming up that listeners may want to get involved in? You told us about the free books, but I know you do some other things, cohorts and events and things like that. What should we be on the lookout for over the coming months? 
All, all the all the above. So yeah, thank yeah. you. I'm actually I'm looking at my whiteboard right here. I got Joshua 10, 12 through 14, sun stand still. And then I didn't write all of it, dot, dot, dot. And the sun stood still. And so just this idea that Joshua prayed a big, bold prayer and, and at work because God is almighty. And so some of my quiet time been has been lately, like there's been some goals of this year that have already came to fruition. And I kind of thought they're kind of big goals, but there have just been some surprises back to the marvelous things we talked about at the beginning. And therefore, God kind of challenged me to, to pray bolder, go after some bigger things. And mm-hmm. some of which is I've never done a live event uh, to the public. I, I lead live events of my with my yeah. clients or lead a mastermind. Sure. I've got virtual cohorts I lead, but to actually do a public live event. And so I've never done that. I think that's something that I'm going to check off the list. So that'll be coming this fall. So more awesome. information will be available on, on the website when that does go. So that's a big, bold thing I'm I'm praying for and going after. That's exciting. That's uh, so exciting. That, that is definitely one of them. But I will launch at different times throughout the year, 12-week cohorts to go over the Intentional Leader Alliance. It's been it's been a blast to do. And so just do different um, cohorts throughout the year where go through. And some people continue on with coaching and some don't. And they've got tools and new perspectives that they can then take on with their life. And then I also will do daily events that are virtual. So win a home Great. in a day. Uh, win a home okay. first in a day, for example. So anyways, okay. check out the website to learn more. Excellent. Well, Corey, we'll have all of that information in our show notes for folks who want to check out your events, who want to go to the website and get one of the free books. That's such a generous thing. This conversation has been such a blessing. I knew it would be. And uh, you have great insight. You have great experience. And I'm so honored and humbled that you would be willing to share it with our listeners. Thank you for a great conversation. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for having me and uh, just grateful for what you're doing. I love what you're doing and and, and pushing that, incorporating faith into work. And I kind of like we talked about at the beginning, I mean, the, the more people that are listening to us and thinking, hey, how can I incorporate faith in my work? Is that lead yourself first item we were talking about. So yeah. I'm glad you were bold and launched this podcast. So let's go. Absolutely. Let's go. Thanks again, Corey. You know, every time I have a conversation with Corey, I feel like I've been hanging out with someone who's been like in the trenches. He just gets it. He gets what it's like to be a faith-driven leader. He always instills a sense of courage in me. And he also seems to just usher in peace, but yet still challenges me somehow to think differently and to make bolder moves. Feels like that's what happened today. The story he shared about leading his family to walk seven times around the house they wanted to purchase was so inspiring to me. I I wonder, would I have the same courage to ask my family to make such a bold move, even through the eye rolls that he got and I'm sure I would get? I hope I would be courageous enough to do that, but I am certainly encouraged by hearing his story about it and the fruit that came out of it. Throughout the conversation with Corey, I heard over and over again that to lead well, we have to first lead ourselves well. So a couple few takeaways for me about what that can look like from this conversation. First one, I loved Corey's example of thinking about marvelous things. 
in his captive time on that flight to a mission trip with his daughter and capturing his personal and professional highs and then theming them to see what was God trying to tell him or show him that maybe he'd been missing. What were some of the marvelous things God had been doing in his life? So actually, right after we recorded, I went and did that exercise myself, and it was really amazing what came out of it. When I focused on the marvelous things God has done in my life in the last six to 12 months, I realized that he was showing me that trusting my husband, trusting Rich, and trusting him, trusting the Lord, are good. They're trustworthy. I don't have to be responsible for everything, which I had kind of been carrying around and I had been praying for. And another theme that emerged, I had been praying for quite some time to make friendships with women, to to help me to build friendships with other women, that God would bring women into my life. And I was astonished at the number of amazing women who have come into my life over the past several months. So what a great exercise. I hope you'll take some time to do that. Second takeaway, many of us have heard, or some of, some of us have even quoted this adage that, you know, if we're really rooted in our identity as Christians, we should work from a place of approval rather than working for approval. But I really liked Corey's story about a recent realization about a time when he allowed himself to veer from his own value of curiosity and humility. And that story was so authentic and can I admit, relatable. (laughs) It was such a good reminder to stay grounded, stay connected to God as my source of approval, and then work and lead and write and communicate with others all from a place of knowing that my identity is defined by Him, not by anybody else, not by a podcast guest or a listener or a reader, but by God Himself. That leads me to my third big takeaway from this conversation. Corey shared this thought that when we take our identity in temporary things, that there's going to be an implosion. And I wish I could say I learned that from wisdom, but sadly, I learned that that is very true from experience. (laughs) So many of us learn from experience rather than wisdom. There was a time in my life when my career, kind of the things I did for a living, That was the strongest and most obvious definition for me of who I was. And the reality is my marriage and my relationship with my kids suffered. I isolated myself. I didn't make time for friendships. And eventually I just exhausted myself. I'm really glad to have moved past that, but I sure wish my younger self could have avoided the pitfalls and messes that that stage of life created for me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I hope you took away some actionable ideas for your own faith-driven career and leadership journey. Please consider sharing, rating, or reviewing, or subscribing to this podcast to help us keep bringing you great content from amazing leaders. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll look forward to sharing our next conversation with you on Faith-Driven Leader.